thank you again, team. That's right, again. This is the second time. We can get used to this. No, they're saying no. Uh, That's so great. Hey, Abraham, can you just move that a little bit? We're just changing a couple of things. Thank you. I didn't give any prep. I think they want me to move over here just a little bit. Is that okay? Is that good? Okay. Well, good morning, and it's great to have you with us today on this very strange season that we are in. Well, I I actually hope that people left the first service encouraged, but I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But this message I want to speak to you this morning is is really um, uh, similar to our challenges that we may feel as as a group, as a a, a church family, as a community, but also uh, as individuals. And uh, I know some are distant with families from different places and different states, and, and that's not easy. So we, we get that. We understand that. And maybe uh, uh, you're not able to see the friends you love the most uh, as regularly as you like to as well. So it, it's been a very strange time indeed. Uh, but I want to give you encouragement this morning. I want to look at Psalm 42, and I want you just to, to lean in a little bit in the sense of what does this mean for you? What does this mean for me? Because when we look at the life of David... Uh, David was very raw. He was real. He uh, is a man who hungered after God, who longed for God. He had a heart after God. No one else has really been described as, as, a, as a man who has a heart after God like David. But David was flawed. He was human, just like you and we are, you and I are. And so I think there's a sense where we can relate to this great king but also the dysfunction that he had around about him, whether it be in, in kingdom, but even in family as well. And so I want to have a look at a couple of those thoughts with you as we move forward. All right. And thanks again for the team. I know you, it's a, when we were talking about startup and having two services, you know, they're like, okay, yeah, we'll just do what we have to do. Um, do we really need to do it? But, but we're just, uh, we're learning on the go. Some of this... Uh, what happens is you're building the plane as we fly, you know what I mean? And it's a bit like that at times. There's some things that we can plan for, but there's other things which can just change from week to week. I dare say on the very last Sunday I preached, which was the 15th of March, 18 weeks ago, I remember saying that you never know, because there was talk about the coronavirus and whatnot, you never know, we may never get to meet again. I wish I never said that <laughs> 18 weeks later uh, in that sense of corporate worship. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your time and your presence with us. We appreciate you every minute that we have with you and with each other. So help us today, Lord, to just learn and glean and lean in, that we may learn and not just hear something, but actually learn how to put this into practice because it works. Your word is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to work in our hearts and lives and change and and create in us and within us. And so have your way with us today, we pray. And encourage and comfort all those in need, as Gabe mentioned. Encourage those and and thank you, Lord, for the commitment and faithfulness, commitment to, to sharing and connecting, Lord. And thank you for the journey ahead of us that no one knows what it will look like and what it will be. But we thank you that whatever it is, you are with each and every one of us. And for that, we give you the ultimate thanks and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, hello to all those who are watching. We do have, we are recording the the message this morning. And so that will be uh, uploaded today for those uh, who want to uh, look at that. But more particularly for those who are unable to get here. So some are still holding back. 
and we don't blame them for that. Uh, you need to make the call. We want you to be. We all want to be safe and well and do this well. So we understand that some will be waiting to watch this later on uh, today and during the week, uh, so that they can uh, be be part of this in in the weirdness that it is. So let's have a look at that. Uh, I think Psalm 42. We we learned that this was a psalm uh, that the sons of Korah were responsible for. They were. I believe, gleaning from the life of, of David. And uh, they came from a family of singers in Israel who had passed on their musical uh, genius, really, and office from one generation to the next. However, as descendants of Korah, you've got to remember, Korah was one who rebelled against Moses. And he caused a lot of pain and a lot of hardship, sorry, against David, and caused a lot of pain and hardship in the midst of that. And judgment came upon him. However, it shows also that even when someone messes up so terribly, that there is grace extended to the extension of that family and, uh, and that they became worshippers rather than following the ways of their rebellious heritage. In the start of this psalm, we have the word mescal, or miscure, it depends how you want to pronounce it, and it means instruction, something to learn from. This word mescure is the Hebrew equivalent for teaching. And so what we get is a glimpse that this psalm is helping us to, to learn a very vital process of thinking and learning that we need to apply. Teaching is about applying something, an instruction, a lesson to learn, and then applying it into our very lives. And so this is where we start to read from. If we take that, uh, at that point, we are going to get a real gist of what is happening here. It is a lament psalm. It is a sad psalm. I think David probably uh, was the one who invented the blues, uh, not from uh, Mississippi or St. Louis or wherever. I think it was uh, David. There's there's a lot of lamenting in the psalms as well as a lot of uh, praise and rejoicing because the psalms teach us of the the challenges of life, the the ups and downs, the good and the bad, the different, the the surprises that we, we have in life. And I believe this psalm serves as an illustration of how to live in crisis, how to deal with stuff. And in reality, whatever word you want to give this season that we've been in, there's, this is one word I think you could give it, crisis. A crisis is defined by a time of intense difficulty or danger. But it also means a turning point for either the good or the bad. And so I think it's about how we respond into whatever is affecting us or whatever is impacting us. Some scholars actually feel that on this occasion, this psalm reflected David when he was exiled from the temple uh, at the time of Absalom. I did that last time too. (laughs) Absalom's uh, uh, rebellion and betrayal. Uh, and, And if you look at his family, his family was falling apart. There was judgment on him from some of the consequences that happened and, and uh, go to the father, go to the son. Uh, and in this particular case, this is what actually happened. Uh, I'm not going to read out the psalm in its chunk right now, but we're going to look at that just in a little few moments of the first five verses. So David is dealing with a really challenging and difficult time in his life. Not like, uh, unlike, similar to what we work work through and what we walk through. There was opposition from people and his own family. Have you ever been there? I've been there. I've had family where it's been really tense. Uh, in fact, we over this break, I've had my uncle pass away and I had my brother, well, supposedly we got a call travelling that he had taken his life. 
And so we're, we're going on a journey thinking, my goodness, what is going on? Lord, it's crazy. And so we, we all live in very strange times, and I have a very strange family, and that's this is a part of it you can see in me. Um, but there was opposition from, from people. There was challenges. David felt betrayed. He, he, he experienced the anguish of heart. He was misunderstood all the time. He was facing oppression and also facing those trouble and difficult times. And he also suffered loneliness. So David was really having to make a decision. What do I do? And his lament and his sad song, his blues song is, is in sometimes reflection of our songs that we have at times. But there are lessons to learn from David today. And I pray that something out of this message will help you to just lean in and just be reminded of the challenges and the ups and downs of life and the cycles of life that can just come and, and go. And we're human and we're broken and we're learning how to do this. We're learning how to do our, our life and live our life as believers. We're learning how to live for lo- the Lord. We're learning how to be a community. We're learning how to, how to fulfill the mission of the gospel. These are things we're always learning. So the whole purpose of this psalm is really to help us to learn how to handle these times in our lives. One thing we need to be mindful of, never think that we can uh, escape hardship. Jesus even said that it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. And so becoming a Christian doesn't exempt us from hardship and trials and suffering and pain and grief and sadness and loss. It doesn't do that. If it did, everybody would be putting their hand up and saying, I want Jesus, simply to avoid those things I just mentioned. But no, we walk through times of depression, times of struggling with our own thoughts or with the things that are going on away and around about us, even the heaviness of emotion. These things will come. We've been there, we all have. We have our good days and we have our not so good days. We're starting on a trip and I get this phone call and I'm driving and I'm like, oh, I couldn't take the call. I had to, we, we had not a good reception. And I'm thinking like, is this, what's going on here right now? And you know what I did say? As horrible as this sounds, I said to myself, I'm not going to let this ruin my few days away in Hobart. That's what I said until I could actually work out and articulate what was going on. I just said, you know, whatever's happened, I'm not going to let this ruin our holiday. And I think we have to learn how to, how to react, but not react, but respond to the challenges of time. So anyway, here we go. Okay, there is a problem, always, and there will be problems. And when there's problems, I always believe there is an antidote. There is a problem, and I believe that there is a promise. And David, as the chief of psalmists, the great worshipper of worshippers, the, the, the pastor of, of pastors, worship pastor extraordinaire, writing all these books, here's, here's a page out of his book so to speak. This is a lesson that we can learn from David. Verse 1, it says this, As the deer pants for the stream of water, my soul pants for you. My God, my soul thirsts for my God, the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? How beautifully he puts that. He's hungering and thirsting for, for water. We, we need water. We need lots of water. We're made up of, I think, 70-something percent of, of water in our bodies. And so we need water. It's part of who we are. And he says, my soul is thirsting like I'm a deer, panting and hungry in a hot desert day for water. Just that, just that drip, just that drop of water. He says, this is my soul. And I'm, and I'm hungering after God. I want you, Jesus. I need you. Obviously, I don't know his understanding is of Jesus, but you know, I'm bringing that in to make it relevant. He, he reached the place where he's experienced, where he knows that God will meet his need. 
God will meet his needs. Not our wants, but our needs. He will come and meet our needs. He longed for relationship and the freshness of that revitalizing sense of fellowship and relationship. He knew what it meant to thirst, but he also knew what it, and understood what it meant to have that thirst quenched. In Psalm, uh, sorry, in verse, verse 2 and 3, we're going to go, my soul is thirsty. For what? Well, he says, my tears have been my food day and night. I've, I've cried. I, I'm not much of a cryer, but I cry. We all we work it there, and you know, if you want to cry, I can make you cry. Just step on your foot, and you'll probably cry. You know, we cry. But this is this is interesting. He says his food day and night was his tears. That's that's deep grief. I've talked with people who, in in moments of deep grief, they just cannot stop crying. They're just unable to stop crying. I've never been there, but I have cried. And this is David. He says, "My tears have been my food." Day and night. It's almost like he wasn't even eating. He was so desperate. And he says, and why people say to me all day long, where is your God? Talk about just the challenge of, of David right now. And then his family is up, upside down. Everything's going wrong for him. But he says, my soul is thirsty for the living God when everything is not as it should be. Friends, how do we water our soul? How do we, how do we ref- become refreshed in our soul? I believe primarily through prayer. I believe that when we pray, it's not just about asking, telling God or informing God of something that he doesn't know about. He knows what everything is going on in your world, even before you do. He knows everything about us. How many hairs are on our head? He knows everything. So the point is that we come to come into prayer to encounter him, to enjoy conversation, to be in relationship and conversation. And through that, we get stronger. There's times where different battles that I've faced in my own life where things happening and, and you can uh, you know, recall the things that have happened in your life. I promise you, we may not always go there the first time. We don't always. But prayer always helps. It always helps because we know we draw near to God and it helps to release something and know that God is listening. Psalm 23, he talks about, David talks about him restoring my soul as I walk through the valley of shadow of death. I fear no evil, for you are with me. You comfort me. I love this. I love Psalm 16. I've set the Lord before me. How do you set the Lord before you? You, you make an intentional decision to go in and inquire of the Lord. You go to talk with him. You go to set, as Gabe mentioned, time aside just to focus and think and, and just have a heart full of thankfulness. I think that's the way we do it. I've said before the Lord because he's my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Look at verse 4. He remembers his past experience. This is it. verse 4. These things I remember. As I pour out my soul, as he's, as he's praying and crying and lamenting and just falling on his face before God, just humbling himself at the, of his greatest need. He says this, of how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Look at that. He's recalling when he went to church, when he could go to church. You are here today. You are able to go to church. Many still are not able to go to church. And they're doing life so, so incredibly different. And as weird as this is and as strange as it is, how great is it to have even just a few moments together 
something that just reminds us of what the past was, reminds us of history, because this is history. It's changing. History is his story ever unfolding in our lives. I remember uh, it means a strong expression of determination. Ah, you know, it's not like a a whimsy, ah, I'm going to remember. I remember, I remember what happened. I remember how God rescued me. I remember how I wrestled the lion. I remember how I I could do these things. I remember God's faithfulness. He, He went back to a place where he could remember not only of those experiences of word and worship of God's blessing and God's favour, how he went to the house together to celebrate. These are all things that he remembered. Uh, I like what the Apostle Paul says of his three friends in 1 Corinthians 16. He says, and they refreshed my spirit and yours also. This is that sense of gathered right now, gathered presence, becoming the church as the body. Together, we only do that when we're together. I believe, that's my personal belief, that we are believers, but when we come together, we then function as the church. It's not the building, it's us being corporately together in fellowship, in relationship, and mission. Those things, it changes. And then Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of you. So what we are getting to celebrate today, that we haven't over 18 weeks in this moment, is that sense of gathered presence. And it's, and it's amazing, even though it's different. It's amazing, it's special, and it's powerful. It's powerful, because God always promises that when we do that, he meets with us. That's, that's why church, that's why church, that's why coming together, gathering together is important. We are the church. Amen. Isn't that good news? David remembered, oh, how I used to go to the house of God. That blessing, that favour. Psalm 122 once says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. How good was that? He remembers those two core traits of life to build hope. He remembers God's faithfulness and he remembers the house of God, the worship place where he could come together. Verse 5 is critical and all this to help you just put this all into perspective All these matters, all these challenges, all these hungry and thirsty and prayer and lamenting and ups and downs and sadness and good and bad and everything else in between really starts to rest really in its pivotal point here in verse 5. It's a little bit from last week, if you could uh, remember. Just so you know, some people have been asking, yes, I've got my slippers on. I'm used to preaching with my slippers, and so my slippers are on today. Uh, I didn't walk with them here, but they are on, and they're quite comfortable, actually. I don't know if I can actually stop this trend. But anyway, (laughs) verse 5 says this, Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Have you ever spoken to yourself and you said, Oh, why did you do that? Or why did you say that? Or or, 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 things are not working. And you you really talk, you can talk yourself into a frenzy. Just listen to your own thoughts, and you'd be going, Wow, did I say that? Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for yet I will praise him, my Saviour and my God. Everything can go upside down, left, right, whatever. But remember this. This is the critical thing. You are the preacher to your own soul. You are the preacher to your own soul. What you say is vitally important. What you say to to yourself, what you say to others, carries weight. Words have life. And so can I encourage you to encourage yourself? 
And even as you think about this week, think about the privilege it is to get together. So many churches in Australia, so many churches around the world are not able to do what we're doing right now. So many aren't able to do it. So we are the, 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 uh, uh, the minority in this, and it's, it's great. Here we go. A couple of thoughts here, and there's some other verses that you could read in this, but it speaks in Psalm 43. It says that you know, your word, this is not Psalm 43, but it talks about the word being light unto our path and, and truth and life in part of all these things. There's a cycle here. The want of worship, the hunger for the word, and the inclination for presence, the want of that. All those things change how we do life. I encourage you that like David, David had to learn, had to walk through his lament. We don't know how long we've got this for. Some are saying this is good two years. Some are saying 18 months, maybe a bit less. Whatever talk there is of, of vaccines and, and whatever else, there's still a long way to go. And everything can change very, very quickly. You know that. You, we're amazing. We're an amazing generation because we've learned to adapt really quickly. We've had to. Everything has been turned upside down. One week you're coming to church, the next week you're being informed and communicated to you, there's no church. It's like, what? What's going on? This is the world that we live in. I like what it says in Psalm 42, this psalm in verse 11. It says, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. I think that's so important. Hey, just for the next few moments, I'm going to ask you to do something a little different. I'm going to pray for you, but I'm going to ask you just to, if you can, turn your chair around to someone you can just see someone and just say hello to them. Not to shout it out and, 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 and that, but just, just as quietly as you can in, in a way, just to say hello because this is what's so precious about today, that we get the moment. What was great between the first service and the second is just seeing people wanting to talk afterwards and mingle. And that's what we want. That's what we all want. And so it's so great to see your faces. Gabe's going to come back up a little bit later on. I think, I don't know. Or I'm just going to finish it off in a minute. But here's a thought. Think about how God brought you through this, this time and this season. And maybe even, have you become closer to God during this time? What have you learned about this season? About yourself? About God? How have you seen your own brokenness? And have you been confronted about your own weaknesses at this time? It's not been fun for any of us. No one's like this. And, and, and there's still some hard, tough ways to go. But can I just encourage you, think about those things. Say hello to somebody and just take a few moments now. to Just turn around. You can turn your chair. It's okay. You can touch your chair. Just lean it around if you can. And just say hello to someone. I know it sounds weird, but we... 